We're going to turn to our first uh, Bible reading. It is Exodus uh, chapter 8. Exodus 8. I mentioned in the, uh, the email I sent out uh, this uh, week that um, uh, we're going we're gonna to read through, uh, or we're going to cover um, the uh, plagues in Egypt from the second plague all the way through to the ninth plague uh, this morning. Uh, so um, quite a bit to read. Uh, we won't read the whole uh, section, uh, chapters 8, 9, 10 and 11, but we'll... Uh, uh, we'll have a good uh, we'll have a good go. Uh, Exodus chapter eight. We're on page fifty in the Black Church Bibles, and we'll read the whole of uh, chapter eight. This is God's good, true, and faithful word to us this morning. Uh, then the Lord said to Moses, "Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord: Let my people go, that they may serve me." But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all your country with frogs. The Nile shall swarm with frogs that shall come up into your house and into your bedroom and on your bed and into the houses of your servants and your people and into your ovens and into your kneading bowls. The frogs shall come up on you and on your people and on all your servants. And the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the canals and over the pools, and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, uh, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts uh, and made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Now Moses said to Pharaoh, Be pleased to command me when I am to plead to you and uh, for your servants and for your people uh, that the frogs be cut off from you and your houses and be left only in the Nile. And he said, Tomorrow... Moses said, be it as you say so, uh, that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs shall go away from you and from your houses and your servants and your people. They shall be left only in the Nile. So Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh and Moses cried to the Lord about the frogs as he had agreed with Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. The frogs died out in the houses, the courtyards, the fields, and they gathered them together in heaps and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that uh, there was a respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth and there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me, or else if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people and into your houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. But on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people dwell so that no swarms of flies shall be there that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Thus I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall happen. And the Lord did so. There came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses. Throughout all the land of Egypt, the land was ruined by the swarms of flies. Then Moses called Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God within the land. But Moses said, It would not be right to do so, for the offerings we shall sacrifice to the Lord our God are an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice offerings abominable to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? We must go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God, as he tells us. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go to sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you must not go very far away. Plead for me. Then Moses said, Behold, I am going out from you, and I will plead with the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people tomorrow. Only let not Pharaoh cheat again by not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord, and the Lord did as Moses asked, and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. Not one remained, but Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also, and did not let uh, the people go. Let us uh, turn in our Bibles again. Um, we are going to jump over the livestock dying, the boils, the hail. I'm going to begin to read at Exodus chapter 10 and verse 1. Exodus 10 and verse 1. I'm going to read all of chapter 10 and chapter 11. So reads God's good and true word. Exodus 10, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron went in to Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your country, and they shall cover the face of the land, so that no one can see the land. And they shall eat what is left to you after the hail 
and they shall eat every tree of yours that grows in the field and they shall fill your houses and the houses of all your servants and of all the Egyptians as neither your fathers nor your grandfathers have seen from the day they came on earth to this day uh, then he turned and went out from Pharaoh then Pharaoh's servants said to him how long shall this man be a snare to us uh, let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God uh, do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined so Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh and he said to them go serve the Lord your God but which ones are to go Moses said we will go with our young and our old we will go with our sons and daughters and with our flocks and herds for we must hold a feast to the Lord uh, but he said to them the Lord be with you if ever I let you and your little one little ones go uh, look you have some evil purpose in mind no uh, go the men among you and serve the Lord for that is what you are asking and they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence then the Lord said to Moses stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts so that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every plant in the land and all, the, all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his hand over the land of Egypt and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. When it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts. The locusts came up over all the land of Egypt and settled on the whole country of Egypt such a dense swarm of locusts as had never been before nor ever will be again they covered the face of the whole land so that the land was darkened and they ate all the plants in the land and all the fruit of the trees that the hail had left not a green thing remained neither tree nor plant of the field uh, through all the land of Egypt then Pharaoh hastily called Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. And now, therefore, forgive my sin, please, only this once, and plead with the Lord your God only to remove this death from me. So he went out from Pharaoh and pleaded with the Lord, and the Lord turned the wind into a very strong west wind, which lifted the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. Not a single locust was left in all the country of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand towards the heaven, and there may, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days they did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days, but all the people of Israel had light uh, where they lived. Uh, then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go, serve the Lord. Your little ones also may go uh, with you. Only let your flocks and your herds remain behind. But Moses said, You must also let us have uh, sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may uh, sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock must also go with us, not a hoof shall be left behind, uh, for we must uh, take of them to serve the Lord our God. Uh, and we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, 
and he would not let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take care never to see my face again, for on the day you will see my face, you shall die. Moses said, As you say, I will not see your face again. The Lord said to Moses, Yet one more plague I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask, every man of his neighbour and every woman of her neighbour, for silver and gold jewellery. And the Lord gave the people favour in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, uh, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. So Moses said, Thus says the Lord, about midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. Uh, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all, your, all these, your servants, shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you. And after that, I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, your word is true and good. Your word truly is a light to our path. And therefore we, we pray now, give us eyes to see wondrous things from your word. Heavenly Father, we pray on, on a hot morning that you'll enable us to concentrate and to focus. Uh, but more than that, Heavenly Father, that we might grasp something of your greatness of who you are and the glory of knowing you in Christ Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. There is no denying, is there, that uh, the historical account of the ten plagues of Egypt is one of the most well-known uh, of all of the stories. It's one of the most enjoyable stories, certainly for us as readers in the whole of the Bible. You pick up a children's Bible, uh, you go to a, a look at a, a Sunday school uh, curriculum and almost certainly this action-packed section of the Bible is going to be there, isn't it? it it's, it's a long passage and yet I think it's a, it's a storyline that, that clearly is fairly straightforward, isn't it? We, we could, uh, I guess, over the next few weeks have, have looked at the plagues one by one as we make our way through Exodus. Uh, that would have been uh, profitable, I'm sure. But I want us to see this morning something of the, the, the whole sway uh, that these plagues 
uh, how they function in, in the storyline. Uh, and the point of, uh, I want us to grasp this morning is simply this. That God makes himself known through his judgments. His judgments of sin. God makes himself known through his judgments of sin. God wants Pharaoh. God wants Egypt. God wants Israel, his own people. Indeed, God wants the whole world to know that he's the Lord. It is a phrase that as you're going through these chapters of Exodus is repeated again and again in some form or another. It's what these chapters are all about, that they might know the Lord. Three points uh, this morning. Uh, here is uh, the first. Judgment on Egypt leads to knowing God. Judgment on Egypt leads to knowing God. These plagues, these wondrous signs, they are the manner by which God will make himself known to Pharaoh. God makes himself known to Egypt. Uh, the first nine plagues, I mentioned this last week, the first nine plagues are arranged in, in, in three cycles. Uh, three cycles of three plagues that, that, that spiral uh, down and down and through which God reveals himself. God makes himself known. Let's just look how that works. Uh, look at the, uh, the first cycle. Remember last week we looked at the, the first plague, didn't we? Uh, the Nile turned into blood. Uh, the sign was announced to Pharaoh. Uh, and we're told the sign was announced at a particular time of day. Just uh, flick back. We're going to uh, be in and out of these passages. Flick back to chapter 7 and verse 15 if you've got your Bible open. Uh, and just look at God's instruction there for the first plague, chapter 7 and verse 15. God says to Moses, go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water. Stand on the bank of the Nile to meet him. A warning to Pharaoh of what's about to happen. An announcement in the morning as Pharaoh's going down to the Nile to wash. Uh, then we have the, the second plague of, of frogs where we began this morning, chapter 8 and verse 1. What do we read there? Then the Lord said to Moses, go in to Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all your country with frogs. A, a warning to Pharaoh, but no time of day uh, mentioned. That's followed by the third plague, isn't it? The, the third plague of, of, of gnats, or, or maybe it's better as, as, as lice, chapter 8 and verse 16. And have a look at that plague in the Bible. There is no warning to Pharaoh at all. 8.16, then the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Pharaoh's not consulted, not advised, not, a, not anything. The first cycle of, of, of these three signs. And the second cycle, it, it works in, in the same way. The, the first plague in the second cycle is the, is the fourth plague, which spirals down in the next cycle. Look at the fourth plague, chapter 8 and verse 20. And then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water and say to him, Thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. 
or else if you do not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people. Just like the first plague, announced in the morning with a warning to Pharaoh. Followed by the fifth plague, the Egyptian livestock uh, dying, chapter 9 and verse 1. A warning to Pharaoh and no time of day. No time of day uh, when the announcement will be made. And that's followed by the sixth plague, uh, the plague of boils. And uh, God instructs Moses and Aaron, but there is no announcement to Pharaoh. You spiral down again to the third cycle, and again the pattern's the same. The seventh plague of hail announced in the morning with a warning to Pharaoh, chapter 9 and verse 13. The eighth plague of locusts, chapter 10, verse 1, a warning to Pharaoh, but no specified time. And then the ninth plague of darkness, no warning given. The pattern, three cycles, a time of day, an announcement in the morning, a warning to Pharaoh, the second plague in the cycle, an announcement to Pharaoh, no time specified, uh, the third plague in the cycle, no announcement, no warning. Increasing judgment, the plagues getting increasingly progressively worse, the Nile turned into blood, uh, as uh, we saw last week, is not as severe as, as the livestock uh, dying that falls at the end of uh, uh, the, the, the second cycle. Uh, the, uh, and, and that itself is not as severe as the death of the firstborn that falls at the end of these plagues. And the point is this. God here is intervening as the creator God. And God is intervening from outside of the, the world that he's made to show that he is Lord, that he is creator, that he is king of the world, the one who will judge and punish all that stands in his good way. That's what God wants to show us, to show Pharaoh, to show Egypt. Just in, in, in passing, there is unmistakably, isn't there, a, a supernatural aspect to these plagues? I, I hope we can see that. You'll be aware, I, I guess many of you, that some people try to minimise the supernatural aspect of these plagues. Oh, it was just the time of year for, for hailstorms in Egypt. Oh, it was uh, the, the redness of the Nile. It probably wasn't blood. It was just the uh, indulation of the, uh, the red earth in the rivers. It's true that some plagues are more natural, uh, what we call more natural than others. Some of the infestations of flies and locusts, they're things that happen around the world today, don't they, according to the, the laws of nature as we call them? But others of them, a river turning to blood, blood in the, in the jars and the vessels, the water in the blood, the water in the vessels turning to blood. Darkness so thick for three days that you can't even see the person standing next to you. That's not natural, is it? And the timings of the, 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 the plagues that we might think of as more natural. Notice as we began reading that plague of the frogs. The frogs which are removed 
at the timing of Pharaoh's request. When do you want the frogs uh, uh, taken away, Pharaoh? How about tomorrow? Okay, yes, God can do that. Clearly, there, there is a supernatural source to these plagues. And the point to Pharaoh, the point to Egypt, the point to God's people, is that God is in control of the world from outside of the created order. God is all powerful to do just as he pleases. Pharaoh, Egypt, they, they, they had their gods, didn't they? Like people today, they believed in, in, in forces they could not see. Just think, uh, people uh, today, people you work with, your neighbours, unbelieving family, they believe in, in, in physical laws, don't they, uh, in this world that they cannot see. They believe in gravity. They believe in electricity, even though they can't see it. Unseen powers in nature. And yet they're all part of, of the world, of the created order in which we live. But in these plagues, God shows that he's outside of, that he's above nature. The Nile, a, a god to the Egyptians. Likewise, uh, the sun worshipped by the Egyptians as a god. These, are, these plagues, they're as dramatic to the Egyptians uh, as, it, as it would be for us to have the, the laws of gravity suspended for a morning or for a day just float off this is God and he's acting from outside of uh, the, the, the world order that he's made acting to destroy to uh, take apart the good world that he's made a God who exists above this world who will not allow this world to continue in rebellion and in sin without it going unpunished the point of the plagues is that Pharaoh, Egypt, they, they would know just who God is, how great God is. Remember, Moses, he had this first audience with Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, chapter 5 and verse 2, Who's the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. And moreover, I won't let Israel go. Oh, God's judgment is intentional in these acts. It's through the, the judgment, these judgment, the, these signs of judgment, that people will come to know the Lord. Through these uh, judgments, Pharaoh's knowledge of the Lord God, it grows, doesn't it? I, I, who's the Lord? I don't know him. Pharaoh cannot say that by the time we get to the end of chapter 11. That was what God assured Moses was his plan prior to Moses uh, returning to Egypt. How does Pharaoh know? How does he come to know God better? By these judgments. In the latter plagues, we heard it, didn't we? God distinguishes, God makes a divide between the Egyptians and between Goshen, where his uh, people, Israel, live. Look at chapter 8 and verse 22. God says there, the fourth plague of flies, but on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people dwell, so that no swarms of flies uh, shall be there, that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. God 
making a distinction. After the sixth plague, Pharaoh sends men to, to con confirm that the, this distinction is actually really happening. Pharaoh's cattle had all died, Egypt's cattle had, had all died, but chapter 9 and verse 7, Pharaoh sends and behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead. A distinction made by God. Before the, the seventh plague, the Lord even assures Pharaoh that the only reason you're still alive, Pharaoh, is that you might know that there is no other one uh, like me, the Lord God. That through my judgments on the earth and on you, Pharaoh, my name would be known throughout all the earth. Chapter 9 and verse 14, we've read these verses a number of times over the last few weeks. Chapter 9, 14. God says, for this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and your people. So that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence. And you would have been cut off from the earth. But, but for this purpose I've raised you up. To show you my power. So that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. We need to see the paradox here. The more Pharaoh hardens his heart. The more Pharaoh hates God. The more Pharaoh rejects God. Standing in defiance against the Lord God. Paradoxically the more Pharaoh gets to know the Lord. Can you see that? The more he hates and resists and hates uh, and, and despises God, the more he gets to know who God is. Not in a good way, not in becoming, oh, the Lord's best friend, oh, I really got to know you well. No, that's not what we're talking about. But the more Pharaoh rejects, the more God reveals. The more uh, Pharaoh knows God, the more he fights against God. Part of the judgment that falls is to harden Pharaoh's heart. As Pharaoh is enraged, he is so because he knows and he now understands just who the Lord God is better than he did before. As Pharaoh drives his hosts into the Red Sea in a few chapters' time in pursuit of God's people, Pharaoh has come to know who God is and Pharaoh hates the God he's come to know. In uh, C.S. Lewis's um, autobiography of uh, the testimony of how he came to faith, surprised by joy, he uh, refers to his unhappy time as, a, uh, as an atheist. He, he says this, I was at that time living, like so many atheists and anti-theists, in a world of contradictions. I maintained that God did not exist, and I was also very, very, very angry at God for not existing. I was equally angry at him for creating a world. I, I, God, I don't believe you exist. I am really, really angry at you for not existing. Really, really angry for you for creating the world. Uh, knowing God in rebellion against him. But it's not just Pharaoh, is it? Israel too, they know in their, they grow here rather in their knowledge of God through these judgments. We, we read chapter 10 and verse 1. Look again. Then the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them. 
and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them that you may know that I am the Lord. God wants his people to know that he's the Lord, that he is faithful to his promise, that he is faithful to deliver, faithful to punish sin, faithful to punish wickedness. The Lord who hates sin, the Lord who will rescue from bondage. God says, look, these signs to Pharaoh, these signs to Pharaoh, they're the curriculum you're to, to teach your children and your grandchildren so that they will know what kind of God I am. It, it's no mistake, make sure they're in the Sunday school curriculum, uh, curriculum Moses. Uh, these things will teach your children who I am. The Lord above creation, the Lord over creation, the Lord who hates evil, the Lord who hates oppression, and the Lord who loves you and will deliver you more than you could possibly imagine. God wants to make himself known to Pharaoh, to Israel, finally, to the nations, as they grow in their knowledge of who the Lord is through these judgments. Through this lengthy narrative, of the plagues, there is a clear divide that opens up, uh, not just between uh, Egypt and Israel, but also uh, amongst the Egyptians. I don't know whether you noticed it. Some of the Egyptians, they come to see that the Lord is the true, the real God. Uh, the God uh, said to Moses that he would do just that. After the third plague, as the, uh, the Pharaoh's magicians are unable to repeat the sign of the earth becoming uh, gnats. We read this, chapter 8, verse 19. The magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God, Pharaoh. Pharaoh, th th this is God at work. We can't do this. We can't explain this. Before the seventh plague, the Lord warns Pharaoh and the Egyptians of what he's about to do. And we're told, chapter 9 and verse 20, uh, whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh, uh, they hurried their slaves and their livestock into their houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. And as the eighth plague of locusts is announced, there are at least some amongst Pharaoh's servants, and they are pleading with Pharaoh. Chapter 10 and verse 7. How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go, that they may serve the Lord their God. Don't you understand, Pharaoh? The game's up. Egypt is ruined. You've lost. There's a God in heaven. So that by the time we get to the tenth, the final plague, chapter 11, verse 3, the Lord gave the people favor, the people of Israel favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. There are swathes of people, swathes of Egyptians, and they can see it. Pharaoh's not God's man. Pharaoh is not uh, God incarnate. No, no, it is Moses who is really the man of God. It, it's Moses who really must be listened to. As the nations see these judgments, they are learning that it is Israel's God who is the true God that they too must listen to, must trust in. 
But for this purpose, says God, I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. So the judgment on Egypt shows us who God is, is the way uh, God reveals of knowing himself. Second point, the points get shorter, don't worry. Judgment on Egypt is a sign of a coming greater judgment. This judgment on e Egypt, it is a sign of a greater coming judgment. All of the, the judgments on Egypt, they are signs that there is a future day of coming judgment on the whole world that is still to come. This series of judgments on Egypt, they all point to a coming day when God will bring to account all who defy him. These judgments, they are judgments in history, a warning to all, to you and to me this morning, that defiance against God, it will not, it cannot continue forever. Jesus is clear that the nations will stand before him to be judged. And on that day, God will give uh, a knowledge of himself in a very real and clear way, won't he? All will know who the Lord is then. All without exception. Every knee will bow. Every knee. Even those like Pharaoh. The Bible is clear, isn't it? The hell is a very real, fearful, terrifying reality. The spiraling realisation of who really is God. Of who God really is. An eternity of raging against God, the more Pharaoh comes to know God, the more he hates, despises God. Now that is the clearest picture, or one of the clearest pictures of what judgment is like. We see it in the New Testament. As God reveals himself to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that parable Jesus tells in Mark chapter 12? The tenants... Uh, of, of the vineyard Jesus speaks that parable he, he tells us against the Pharisees against uh, the, those that he's left in charge of uh, his uh, people in the parable in Mark 12 the tenants kill one by one of the master's servants that he sends back to the vineyard until the master who's gone away we're told in, in Mark 12 6 had still one other not a servant, but a beloved son. And finally, he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants, they said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. Jesus comes. It is not that people don't recognize who he is. They see Jesus, they know who God is, and they say, this is the heir. This is God's son. We need to get rid of him. They reject him. A, a warning to us, do not be like Pharaoh. Do not harden your heart. The good news is that none of us here in church this morning, none of us have got a heart like Pharaoh's. Uh, or as, as hard as, as Pharaoh's heart will be by the time we get to the end of Exodus uh, uh, 11. But all of us this morning, you, me, 
We've all got partially hardened hearts, haven't we? You and me, we've all got areas of our life where we refuse God, we reject his word, we, we, we hold back from following wholeheartedly. Don't be like Pharaoh, don't harden your heart, uh, don't wait until it's too late. We can respond to God's word like Pharaoh, respond to God like Pharaoh, harden our heart. Don't want to accept or, or know God. Making your heart harder, avoiding doing business with God. Friend, whoever we are this morning, there's a coming day, isn't there, when we will see God for who he is in all of his glory. When we will know the Lord without doubt. Don't let the Pharaoh inside of you, who, who says, no Lord, I, I won't surrender. I won't give up control. I, I like the control too much. Don't harden your heart today because it will be, make things harder tomorrow. It'll be easier to discount God tomorrow than it was today. Come to know God. Come to know him. But on that coming day of judgment, there won't just be those like Pharaoh, there will also be those like Israel. Those who will tell each other eternally how God has delivered them through a mighty act of judgment. How God sent his son, the Lord Jesus, to overthrow the evil in the world and the evil in themselves. God will judge and his judgment will lead to a whole new world. A choice to make, will we be like Pharaoh or will we be like Israel? Will we harden, will we soften our hearts? When judgment comes, as it will, all will know the Lord. Only two possible options Either we will kneel in terror or we will kneel in joy. And therefore, thirdly, briefly, I want us to see that judgment on Jesus is the thing that leads to you and me knowing God. Judgment on the Lord Jesus, that's the thing that leads to us knowing God. You may have been asked this, I certainly have. How can you know for sure, certain, that there is a, a coming day of judgment? How could we really be sure that there is a day to come when judgment will fall? The world, it just seems to go on, doesn't it, from day to day? Well, we can be sure. We can know for certain that a day of coming future judgment will happen because that, that future final judgment day has already begun. And it is available for all to see. God judged the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross. Actually, more accurate to say, isn't it, that God judged the sin of his people in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. We believe in a future day of judgment. We believe in a, 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 a hell. Because the world has seen hell as Jesus suffered on the cross and died. Uh, as Israel could say, we've seen the judgments uh, of God in his acts against Egypt. So we as Christians this morning, we can say, we have seen God acting in history to judge. We know what it looks like. Uh, we have seen the Lord Jesus, his death on the cross. We have seen what it looks like. There was blood, there was skin shredded, uh, there was uh, opened wounds, there was darkness in the land, there was the death of a firstborn son. 
And it all happened, all poured out on God's perfect firstborn son, the Lord Jesus. Why? The Lord Jesus, he loved God with, with, with a perfect heart. His heart wasn't hardened. He knew the Lord. He joyfully obeyed his will perfectly. And yet God judged him. So that his judgment, through his judgment, we might be saved. In the plagues on Egypt, the Lord made a distinction between Egypt and Goshen. The families of Israel, they could look on the, the judgments on Egypt. And, and, and they would ask themselves, wouldn't they, why are we being saved from that judgment? As they watched, no doubt they asked, how come we're still safe? Why are we still secure? Likewise, Christians today, we look at the cross, we see God's judgment falling, and we ask, we ask, why are we secure? Why are we not judged? Because at the cross, God rains down the judgment that we do deserve, so that we might not receive it, Christ bearing it for us. That is why, isn't it, as Christians, we, we hate sin. Why those who follow the Lord Jesus, why we despise all sin, the, the, the little white lies, the greed, the, the, the jealousy, the anger, the anger, why we loathe sexual immorality outside of marriage. Because God's not only told us what sin is, but we have seen judgment fall upon sin. We've seen what it cost the Lord Jesus Christ as he was crushed on the cross. We've seen how Pharaoh hardened his heart. And we understand that we could harden our hearts too. You compromise a little today. Oh, my sin didn't really cost Jesus that much. It was only a little lie. Well, uh, it won't matter if I knock off from work early. Uh, they won't notice. It's not really stealing time from them. Oh, friends, you excuse sin today, and tomorrow your heart will be a little harder. You'll care less, be more willing to sin, see less of Christ's suffering. Christians, with their, with their eyes open, we flee from all immorality. Maybe this morning you're here. And maybe you wouldn't say, well, I'm, I'm not like Pharaoh. But I know I'm not like the Israelites either rejoicing in God, knowing him as my Lord and Saviour. Maybe you're looking at, uh, at God's judgment falling and, and you know it is only his grace, only by God's provision, that you could be saved from final judgment. Maybe this morning you're like those Egyptians. You've seen what God has done in the middle of history, in the full view of all. You've seen his judgment you know something of what God's like. A God who hates sin. A God who loves righteousness. Friend, if that's you this morning, then you, like the Egyptians, you can, you, you can turn to the Lord Jesus. You can trust in the living God. Apostle Paul says when he's writing to the church in, in Thessalonia, he, he speaks of how they turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath, from the judgment to come. Turn to God from idols, those things that capture our hearts, because we've seen 
what God has done. We've seen Jesus. We've seen judgment fall on him. Oh, friends, if we know what God's done in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we know that judgment for our sin has fallen on him so that we might joyfully know God as our rightful Lord and Saviour, we will not harden our hearts. God has made himself known through his just and righteous judgment. In knowing the Lord, in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, he says to us, come, come, the debt's been paid. Judgment for your sins being satisfied. I won't judge those same sins again.